My first project, my first project, very first one, was to identify which customers located in Ohio had tax-exempt sales and needed tax exemption certificates to support those tax-exempt sales. Don't fall asleep. It was a small project that was tedious at the least and boring at the most, matching invoices with customer certificates. Well, you can imagine. About a month after this project, though, because it had saved the company about $300,000, uh, after this project and my first promotion, the manager of finance, my boss's boss's boss, called me into his office on a project where his administrator had found irregularities in the bookkeeping. I not only found irregularities, but I also found fraud. One that was committed by a 30-year executive. Another promotion. Then more projects, more promotions. The largest project, just before acquisitions and divestitures, was evaluating a refinery project and the efficiency of the process and project itself. It was the replacement of our cat-cracking tower. That's the thing that turns crude oil into gasoline. It was about a $40 million project, and I wasn't an engineer. I was a finance guy. They needed an outside eye for evaluation, and the president, who was an engineer, trusted me. He trusted me. Faithfulness and honesty are, are not related to wealth and power. One who is faithful over little will be faithful over a large amount. The contrast between little and much is then applied in two ways. First, if one has not been faithful, in other words, dishonest, or edikos, over worldly wealth, how can that person be trusted with true wealth. If you've not been faithful over what belongs to another, in, another, in other words, the worldly wealth God has entrusted to you, then you will give your own treasure in heaven, right? You cannot serve God and serve wealth. Wealth which can serve as a means and an opportunity for securing one's place in the kingdom if used shrewdly, for the sake of others, can also become a master. Materialism enslaves us, but God requires exclusive loyalty, just like Johnny said. The Shema, the Shema, which is required to be said twice a day for Jews, when they awaken and when they go to sleep, reminded Israel and us, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words are, are to be taught, etched in our hearts. They, they shall be written on the doorposts. Since one cannot serve two masters, one cannot be devoted both to acquiring wealth and serving God. Likewise, the way we use what we have reveals whom we serve. I had a pastor 
oh, in my, in my early 20s, she was an interim pastor, stewardship, stewardship Sunday. And she said, I can tell who you serve. Just hand me your checkbook. I don't write checks. The, the choice of having no master is not an option. We can only choose the Lord that we serve. I believe the parable of the dishonest steward challenges us to be as clever and prudent as the steward in our ensuring our future. Stories of clever tricksters, clever tricksters and wise rogues are very popular in Jewish, Jewish folklore. Jacob, Jacob was the trickster patriarch who deceived his father, cheated his brother, and then made off with most of his father-in-law's flock. The character of the trickster endures in folklore as in the following story that's told by rabbis. A man once was caught stealing. He was ordered by the king to be hanged. On the way to the gallows, he said to the governor that he knew a wonderful secret. He knew a wonderful secret, and it would be a pity to allow it to die with him as he would disclose it to the king. He would put a seed of a pomegranate in the ground, and through the secret taught to him by his father, he would make it grow and bear fruit overnight. The thief was brought before the king. And on the morrow, the king, accompanied by the high officers of state, came to the place where the thief was waiting for them. There the thief dug a hole and said, This seed must only be put in the ground by a man who has never stolen or taken anything away from anyone that did not belong to him. I, being a thief, cannot do it. So he turned to the vizier and he put the seed in the vizier's hand, who frightened said that in his younger days he had retained something which did not belong to him, and he gave it back to the thief. He then placed the seed in the treasurer's hand and said that dealing with such, much, such large sums, he might too have entered too much or too little at the end, gave it back to the thief. And then the thief hands it to the king. And the king owned up that he had kept the necklace of his father's. The king gave the seed back to the thief. The thief said, then, you, you are almighty and powerful and want of nothing. And yet I, I cannot plant the seed. You cannot plant the seed. I have stolen a little because I was starving and then to be hanged. The king was pleased with the ruse of the thief, pardoned him. Jesus, Jesus' parable does not unmask the dishonesty of the master or expose him to ridicule. Instead, the parable turns on the steward's shrewdness how he responds to the urgency of the situation and invites hearers to understand that they are likewise in the midst of a crisis that demands an urgent decision if a disaster is to be avoided. 
Faced with losing his position, the dishonest steward acted decisively to provide for his future. One who hears the gospel knows that such a decisive action is required of those who will stake their all on the coming of the king and kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be a steward? What does it mean to be a steward? The steward has significant influence on Christian reflections regarding the believer's relationship with God. A steward could be a chief slave who was put in charge of a master's household or property. Joseph, Joseph of, of, of the Old Testament, Joseph was a steward in Potiphar's house. In the Old Testament, the earth is the Lord's house, and Moses is his steward. In Jesus' parable, stewards are expected to invest talents left in their keeping, and when they are faithful, they are even given greater responsibilities. A steward was expected to be faithful and prudent or shrewd. It's been speculated that Jesus' use of the figure of the steward in his parables led to its early use in the early Christian church to describe the duties of Christians and Christian leaders, the church leaders in particular. Paul tells us that children are to be put under the care of a guardian or a steward and that it is the role of an apostle. As a steward is responsible for the management of the master's property. So the believer is entrusted with God's mysteries. Faithfulness is, is again a steward's highest duty. A bishop, a bishop is God's steward and must consequently be blameless and above, above reproach. Peter, Peter believed that all believers were stewards. All of us are stewards. When he encourages us to serve one another with whatever gift each of us has received. So you and I, you and I are called to labor with one another, to minister with one another, to struggle with one another, rejoice with one another, and rise up together as God's stewards and assistants or servants. Our attitudes towards each other will go a long way in the success or not of the ministries that you and I are called to perform. Christians are to be faithful whether we deal in little things or vast resources. Whether we're as shrewd as a dishonest steward depends on whether we use our material goods, great or small, to help those in need. Then when we worship God rather than our wealth, we will find that we truly have friends in high places. Since the chief duty of a steward is to be faithful, we, you and I, must be faithful even in small things. One of the great 20th century theologians, Fred Craddock, in his interpretation commentary, vividly catches the force of the text in identifying its realism. This is what he had to say. It is simply that life consists of a series of seemingly small opportunities. Most of us, most of us will not this week christen a ship, write a book, end a war, 
appoint a cabinet, dine with a king or queen, convert a nation, or be burned at the stake. More likely, more likely, the weak will present no more than a chance to give a cup of water or some food or to write a note, visit a nursing home, vote for a county commissioner, teach a Sunday school class, share a meal, tell a child a story, go to choir practice, and feed a neighbor's cat. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. You and I are called, called to answer the call of Jesus, to go and do as Jesus did. That is our call. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.